Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. I'll talk a few minutes uh, to you this morning about standing in honor. I, I think maybe you uh, already have a sense of what that is uh, from the flags coming in and seeing the video. Paul wrote this in Romans. Some of you, uh, you guys don't know this. I, I was supposed to have finished a year-long series in Romans last week. I did, but I'm reading from Romans again today. <laughs> but Paul said in Romans 13, Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. This being the Sunday before July the 4th, I felt like God laid on my my heart uh, a few months ago to check in to invite in uh, the Patriot Guard writers, those who could, to come and, and be with us. And, and I think the video, as I mentioned a moment ago, that should give you a, a little bit of sense of what they do. And, and the phrase, uh, you know, standing for those who stood for us. So that's kind of where the message comes from today, how we need to stand in honor. And, and, I, and I know, I, I struggle with saying you, we, I, I, I guess, you, you know, we're not used to having the flags stood for us, but I felt like we needed to give you a reverse blessing today, kindly for what you do and what we do. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be a Christian. I'm, I'm proud to be a member of this church, but I'm, I'm extremely proud to be part of the Patriot Guard and for what you do. Uh, just to give you a, a little bit of background uh, to the Patriot Guard, because it's going to fit the message, I promise. It's going to be a different kind of message. I'll tell you that up front. But um, to give you a little bit of background to, to this organization that started uh, years ago, I think primarily to, to start with because there's a group that wanted to connect themselves with the name of a church that started showing up at military funerals and really doing things that we felt like should not happen and that families should not have to face. And so, uh, so this group started and, uh, they will, uh, at the family's request, they do, you know, this group does not force themselves in on anybody, but the family's request will go and, and stand a flag line or an escort or what we're called to do, uh, for a, a military family, but also, uh, when requested for, uh, firemen, for EMTs, for police officers. Uh, also, what you guys to know in the, in the flag line that was held a moment ago, uh, you, you had retired military, uh, standing there. You had, uh, veterans who were standing standing there. Uh, you, you also, you know, just had regular citizens standing there uh, also uh, hold, holding the flag. But, it, but it's completely uh, a volunteer organization. 
I want you to see something about their mission statement, uh, because by the way, as I do this, uh, some people have a misconception. I've talked to people who think, well, I can't be in the, in the PGR because I'm not a veteran. I'm not either. I'm former law enforcement. So, but that's not a requirement. Uh, and, and you'll see that as I read through this. And you don't even have to ride a motorcycle, <laughs> you know, uh, to participate. But, uh, it's a diverse group of, of riders from across the, the nation. Uh, we, we have one thing in common besides motorcycles, and that's an unwavering respect for those, uh, who risk their very lives for America's freedom and security. And if you share this respect, please join us. Uh, we, we don't care if you ride or, uh, or not, you know, what you ride or if, even if you ride. We don't care what your political views are, whether you're a hawk or a dove. You probably understand uh, that terminology. Uh, you know, if you know where you fit in, I'm probably a hawk, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not even a requirement, like I said, to be a veteran. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, where you're from or what your income is, uh, you don't even have to rise. I mentioned a moment ago, the only prerequisite is respect. And um, that was the very first thing I was told when I went on the first uh, mission. Our main mission is to attend the funeral uh, services for fallen American heroes as invited guests of the family. Each mission we undertake has two basic objectives. First of all, to show our sincere respect for fallen heroes and their families and their communities. And number two, to shield the mourning family and friends from interruptions created by any uh, protester or group of protesters. Uh, the organization is made completely uh, of uh, Volunteers, uh, and of course, we what we do, what we do uh, through uh, strictly legal and, and, and non-violent means. In other words, we're not there to fight or or engage someone. Um, but uh, it's made up of volunteers. Uh, no one is paid for anything uh, that they do. And I want to give you some kind of interesting information. Uh, about the Patriot Guard uh, riders. Um, it, it's getting somewhere close. These stats change every day. Uh, so it, it's really getting somewhere close to probably 289,000 uh, members. So th- those stats have changed each day. In North Carolina, there are over 7,600 people who have joined the, uh, the Patriot Guard uh, riders. And, and like I said, it's all volunteer from the people at the top boards all the way down. Some interesting statistics for you might be this. Uh, one day last week, because I, I, I contacted Tim, he's one of our ride captains, and uh, he sent me some information and, and also did our state captain uh, send some information. But this past week on one day, there was 24 hours that they received 74,000 emails and sent out over 223,000 emails. Uh, in the past 30 days, uh, they received approximately 1.7 million emails and sent out over 4 million emails. In the past year, received over 20 million emails uh, and sent out over 45 million emails. Now, I want to remind you, all this is managed by volunteers. There are seven members on the information account team, eight members on, on what they call a, a mod team that handles the, the, the mission post, and all of that is taken care of by volunteers. Uh, our state uh, captain, when he joined in 2006, his national membership number was 14,283. So a little bit over seven years later, uh, you can see it's, it's approaching 289,000 uh, members, and they grow at a rate of about 60 new members per day nationwide. Now, now those, those statistics might be a little bit impressive, you know, for me. It was for me because I, you said that to me and it blew me away when I read that about the emails because I'm thinking that group of volunteers, primary group that we mentioned a moment ago, are handling that many emails and they're doing it on a volunteer basis. So, so the reason I wanted to, to stress that to you, you may be, you may be wondering why in the world would somebody do that much on a volunteer basis? <clears throat> when 
When Keith Arbuckle, who's the state captain, um, started early in the state of North Carolina, there might be one or two missions per month. And now sometimes there there are requests for five missions that that come in uh, per day sometimes across the state. So you can see how, how, how vast it is. And once again, I want to point out to you, it's all about volunteers. And I'm going to reiterate the question because this is kind of central to what we're going to talk about today. Why would anybody spend that much time, volunteer time? I mean, processing the emails. Why, why would they spend their, their own time, gas money, everything else, going all over the place for these missions for our military? So that's what I want to talk to you about to start with. Why should we stand and why should we serve as a patriot? Well, why should anyone stand and serve as a patriot? Why do they do what they do? Why does our military do what they do? Why, why should we stand as patriots also? And I think, you know, that's a, an important question we need to answer based upon all you see that they're undertaken as volunteers. So to help us kind of understand that, I want us to look at two things. First of all, I want to give you some historical background kindly to it uh, about freedom. And more or less, that starts with the Declaration of Independence. That's why we have July the 4th. Because the, the Continental Congress on July the 4th, 1776, uh, more or less did this. They succeeded from the nation that was over them at the time, which happened to be Britain. And they said, we're not going to let you to be over us anymore. We're going to form our own nation. And it was signed by 56 delegates, which more or less, when they signed that, were risking their lives. The, the most famous signature, what is it? The most famous, the biggest signature on Declaration of Independence. John Hancock. We even refer to that as a signature in this day and time. And when he signed it, uh, some historians say he kind of stood back and, and said, well, maybe the British ministry can read that without wearing eyeglasses. Or maybe the King of England can, can, can read that without somebody having to tell him. And he would proudly signed it as large as he could for that reason. And after he signed it, he made this statement, well, I guess now we'll all hang together. And he meant we're going to be hanged by the neck together. And when he said that, Benjamin Franklin was standing there also, and he said this, if we don't hang together, then surely we'll, we will be hanged independently. So in other words, united we stand, divided we fall. It's kind of the thought with that. Our nation needs to remember that in this day and time. United we stand, divided we fall. We, we need to understand there's, there's some reasons why we, we, should, we should serve and stand ourselves as patriots. You don't have to be part of the Patriot Guard or part of the military or any kind of organization to be a patriot. If you're an American, you ought to be a patriot. You ought to be proud of, of the nation that, that we have and understand the, the cost involved. Part of that's tied into these 56 delegates, and I don't have time to really go in detail about this, but have you ever looked into what happened to the 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence? Some of this is debated as to whether or not it's all completely historical, but let me hit some highlights on that, because you see, they, they signed understanding their lives and their fortunes and, and everything were at stake. Five of the signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships because of the Revolutionary War. 
Carter Braxton of Virginia, he was a wealthy trader and a planter. He saw his ship swept out to sea and his home was sold uh, in properties to pay his debts and he, he died in rags, although before he signed it, he was rich. Thomas McKean was hunted by the British to the degree that he had to move his family constantly trying to keep them in hiding. He served in Congress without pay. Wouldn't that be a novel idea today? He served in Congress without, without pay, and his possessions were, were seized, and poverty was the reward that he obtained from being one of the people that signed it. Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and, and Middleton. The British General Cornwallis took over Thomas Nelson's home. And, and while he was there using it at his headquarters, Thomas Nelson pled with, with our own General George Washington to go ahead and attack the house. And they did, and they destroyed the house. And he lost his own house due to that fire. And he died in bankruptcy. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed, and his wife was arrested and died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forest and caves, returned home to find his wife dead, and his children had vanished. And a few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. And others faced similar type of, of fates. Next slide. What kind of men were they? Because they weren't just a bunch of ruffians trying to cause trouble. 24 were lawyers and jurists, 11 were merchants, 9 were farmers and plantation owners, men of means well educated. They signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty would be death if they were to be captured. That's just a little hint of the stories and sacrifices from just the American Revolution. They, like I said, they weren't wild-eyed type rabble-rousing ruffians trying to cause trouble. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more than their, than their finances, more than what they owned, more than what their possessions were. And they pledged this for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, that's God, we mutually pledge each other our lives and fortunes in our sacred honor. And because of what they did and what they experienced, they gave us a free independent nation and the prices that others had paid. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but you see, they were British subjects at the time and they had to fight their own government to have their liberty. A lot of times we take our liberties for granted. We need to remember something. We need to remember that freedom is not free. People pay a great price for us to have freedom. You ought to read the Declaration of Independence sometime if you've not read it recently. It might shock you how applicable it might even be to our current day, things that are said there. You know why else we ought to stand as, as a patriot? Consider the cost of freedom. From, from 1775 until present, there have been approximately 848,163 combat deaths. There have been a, another non-combat death of our military to the number of 433,161. That's a total death experienced by our military of 1.3 million. Total wounded, 1.5 million. 
Total dead and wounded, 2.7 million. Still missing in action, 38,159. You, you understand a little bit why we ought to stand as patriots, why we ought to serve in our country as patriots, why, why these guys and ladies do what they do? Why you and I ought to stand and serve as patriots? Think about the cost that has been paid in order for us to have freedom. We don't need to take that for granted. But I understand this is the Sunday before July the 4th, and I understand we are in a church, not a political meeting or a military meeting. So I also want to talk to you just for a minute about this. Why should we stand and serve as Christians? Because all, all the stuff I talked about, the, the Patriot got earlier, that they're doing from a volunteer basis? Well, why should we then as volunteers, why, why, why should we stand and serve Christ? Well, I gave you a history lesson a moment ago, so I'm going to kind of give you a history lesson about why we ought to also stand and, and serve Christ for, for a moment and uh, there's all kinds of passages in the Scripture I could go to to talk about uh, standing and why we ought to stand and why we ought to serve Jesus. But since we've kind of got a military flavor to things today, I've I chosen to kind of visit some biblical stories out of the Old Testament just to give you a picture of someone standing. I won't take time to read all the verses for time's sake, but this is some information about David's mighty men. And we're told here in one story that one of his mighty men held the ground. And all it was was a field of barley. Everybody else was fleeing away because of the enemy, because of the Philistines. But the Bible says that he took his stand in the midst of that plot, in the midst of that field of barley, and he defended it, and he killed the Philistines. And it said the Lord saved them by a great victory that day. And it started out because one person was willing to stand to stand his ground and defend think about this a stinking barley field you gonna die over barley field look look at some more stories second samuel were also told about some of his mighty men one wielded his spear against 800 men that he killed at one time uh, another one, uh, Eleazar, who was with David when they defiled the Philistines, and they were the Philistines that were gathered for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. Once again, you've got a picture of people running away. But it said he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary, and, and his hand clung to his sword. And they would keep reading in, in that same passage. And it said the Lord brought about a great victory also that day. But there's another mighty man of David named Shammah. And he stood there. The Philistines were gathered together. But there was a plot of ground full of lentils. You know what a lentil is? It's a pea. He, he stands in the middle of a pea patch. He took his stand in the midst of this plot and he defended it and it struck down the Philistines. And once again, the, the Lord wrote a great, wrought a great victory to them, gave them a great victory. But, but notice in all of those instances, it was because someone was willing to stand. They're willing to stand there and defend a barley field, a, a peat patch. Something else from the history of David's men. Three of the 30 men went down and 
came about harvest time to David at the cave Adlam when a man of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rethim. And David was there in the stronghold. In other words, he's hiding out. And the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said long ago, I want you to notice David did not issue a command to his soldiers. He didn't say, I want you to go do this. He's just kind of longing for something, maybe talking to himself. And he said, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Those three mighty men heard him longing for that. So three of those men broke through the camp of the Philistines. Three of them by themselves drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, carried it and brought it back to David. But notice what David did. David would not drink of it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord like it was an offering because he thought it was too holy to drink because the men had risked their own lives, risked their blood in order to go after that water. Now, what lessons can we learn from those stories? Just maybe we need to learn this lesson. There are some things worth standing for. Whether we're talking about freedom in our nation or the things that we need to stand for as Christians, there are things worth standing for. What scares me about our culture is it seems like it's more and more that that no one wants to stand for anything. Because it's it's get along at the cost of, you know, at all costs, it doesn't matter. But here we've got a picture of people standing for what they believed. There are things that are worth risking your life for. There are things that are worth standing for at all costs. And that's a lesson that we need to learn. As patriots and as Christians. Maybe a second lesson is this. We need to find our field of barley or our pea patch. And stand and defend it. In other words, what do you believe in enough to die for? You saw those stats of our soldiers and how they have died. They believed in freedom enough to die for freedom. Jesus believed in his mission enough to die on the cross for us. Well, what do you and I as, as citizens of this nation, what do we believe in enough to die for? What do you believe in enough as a Christian to die for? What's important enough for you to make a stand for? They are, our soldiers do that all the time because they believe in freedom. As Christians, we ought to stand for some things. We ought to stand for Jesus. We ought to serve Him. Because he set us free. What this group does, volunteers. A great deal of what the church does involves volunteers. But we need to have volunteers that value enough the opportunities to impact people's lives in ministries to stand and fill a place and defend the field that God's given you. There also may be this, this lesson we can learn here. Number three is simply this. There's some things, actions of others, that are considered holy before God. That's the way David viewed that water. He would not drink it. He thought it was so holy because they risked their lives. That, that's how I feel about what we do. I, I feel like that is, when we stand on a flag line, that is Holy. Before God. I don't know if y'all felt it when 
But I did. When, when John was singing America the Beautiful and all those flags came in and they were standing, man, there was a quiet holiness in the midst of that. Did you feel it? I did. I used the Vietnam Memorial as an illustration a few weeks ago in another message. But I've been there before and that's like, that's like holy ground to stand there and look at those names. But once again, we're a church. We're not just a nation. And what Jesus did for us on the cross ought to be so holy for us that we're willing to stand for Him. That's some biblical history. What about the cost? Because a minute ago, as we talked about why should we stand as patriots, I, I talked to you about the cost that was paid. Well, why should you and I stand and serve as Christians? How about consider the cost that the Savior paid for us? And, and I don't have time, no word studies today. We're not going to anything deep. I'm just kind of hitting highlights of things. To, but I want you to get the main thought. That, that we ought to stand and serve. As patriots and as Christians. Why? Look what Jesus did for us. For there's one God and there's one mediator talking about Jesus between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for us, nailed to a cross, shed his blood to buy us out of our sin. In him, in Ephesians, we have redemption. He has purchased us out, bought us out, redeemed us out of our sin, through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Revelation, it says to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We, we ought to stand and serve Jesus because of the cost He paid, suffering for us, dying in our place on the cross. Why else should we stand and, and serve as, as a Christian? How about this? This might be oversimplified, but for me it works. How about because the Scriptures tell us to? <laughs> you know why soldiers do things sometimes that maybe they don't even want to do? It's because they're commanded to do it. And the Scriptures commands us to stand and serve Jesus. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Notice this next phrase, act like men. Tell me where in the world it ever should have become part of church culture that we think of anyone that's a Christian, just kind of Christian being just kind of, you know, mealy mouth, soft spoken, and, you know, meek and everything like that. And that's the picture that some people had. We're taught right there to act like men. To believe what we believe and stand for the cause that we have as Christians. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Because he set us free, it says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't be taken back into the bondage of the law because you've been set free by your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Ephesians, Ephesians 6 tells us several times to stand, to stand firm, to stand. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, Then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by our, our letters. We're told over and over again that we ought to stand. The Bible tells us, commands us as believers that we ought to stand and serve Jesus. 
Another reason that I think we ought to stand, this is the kind of final thought for us, closing thought, is one you might not have thought a lot about before. But we ought to stand and serve as Christians because of this, because the Savior just might be standing for you. There's a story in Acts by, about this fellow by the name of Stephen. I can relate to Stephen because Stephen evidently didn't know when to keep his mouth shut because he got himself stoned. <laughs> and he gives this message to this crowd and they're listening and the whole time he's giving this message, they, they're just getting angry and mad. And it comes to the point that the Bible says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged for the truth that Stephen had shared with them. And they ground their teeth at him, but he, referring to Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Here's the picture. Stephen had just stood for Jesus to the point that he's going to be stoned to death. But right before it happens, he looks into heaven and God gives him a picture of seeing the Savior standing in heaven. Now, don't go off and start your own denomination on this or anything, but I, I, here's what I think. I think Jesus is standing in heaven waiting to take this faithful servant, Stephen, to himself. I heard an evangelist years ago preach a message based on that text, whole message. And one of the things he basically said was this, we need to stand on the earth for the one that stands for us in heaven. We need to stand for Jesus here because we know that Jesus, God in the flesh, is standing for us in heaven. Does that give you a motive maybe to stand for Jesus and serve Him? The thought that God in the flesh, Jesus Christ Himself in heaven, will rise from His throne and stand in honor of us standing for Him. I've talked just a few minutes today about standing in honor. That's what our military does. That's why this group does what they do. And I know it made you feel awkward because you don't like the limelight and we're not the limelight. It's who we serve. That's what we're about. Amen, guys? That's what we're about. But you see what they do on this Sunday before the July 4th as volunteers, that ought to give us also a picture of what we ought to do as we ought to stand and serve. There's been a great price paid for our freedom in America, but Jesus paid a great price for our freedom on the cross. And, and we need to be willing to stand and serve. John's going to come out. We're going to have this thing we call an invitation song, a closing song. 
You may be someone that's been struggling a lot with our nation, with things uh, happening in our country, and that's easy to understand as you listen to the news. And it's easy sometimes maybe for us to come to the point that we just want to throw our hands up and say, what's the use? But instead, we need to remember the cost that's been paid for our freedom, and we need to be willing to stand. And we need to be willing to give honor to those who have stood. You know Christ is your Savior. If you do know Him as your Savior, in a moment as He comes out to do this song, maybe you need to sit there and, and thank God. First of all, you, you're born in America, so you're, you're born free. There's a lot of places in the world that cannot hold the type of service that we've just held here. And we need to be thankful for that. But also encourages that he does this song that you, that you reflect and that you're thankful for what Jesus has done for you. And you consider how you need to stand and serve him. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not come and let him set you free today? On, on this Sunday before we talk about our Independence Day. Jesus can make you independent from your sin guilt. Jesus can set you free for all eternity if you'll trust in Him. And I don't know, I've got got kind of a hint on this because of myself. But I think probably most of us would have to say that we're not standing and honoring Jesus to the degree that we should based on the price that He paid for us. So maybe during this invitation, that needs to be the decision that you make as a Christian, to stand and serve Him better than you have. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I, I thank You again for our, for our freedom. I thank You for those that have stood and have fallen in order that we might be free. God, don't ever let us take that for granted. But neither let us take for granted the great price that you paid for us through your Son. Help us to be more serious about serving Jesus than ever. If we want to really change our nation, it will not happen with politics, but it can happen by the gospel of Jesus Christ changing one life at a time. God, help us as Christians, to change our nation and our world one life at a time by leading others to Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.